The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Marco Palmieri, your host for another deep dive into the dark fantastic, together with my friend and colleague, Diana Foe. Hi, Marco, and everyone out there, welcome to the darkest timeline. Yeah, it's tough living in an age of plagues. We all know pandemics have happened throughout history, but actually living through a time when tens of millions of people die from the same illness, that's something else. Yeah, I'm going to say I don't feel really great about that. Uh, I'm also not going to say that it's interesting times we live in. I don't want to sound like a fortune cookie, but at least we're living a cautionary tale. And I don't mean to start the show on a down note, but I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge this particular moment in history before we introduce this week's story. It imagines a pandemic of vampirism spreading across the world and the teen angst that might accompany it. Which actually sounds funny when I describe it that way, but Diana, I think our listeners are going to find that this one is more moving than they may suspect. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the story was first written in 2011, so it feels like it could be written yesterday, but now it's just hauntingly prescient. So button up your collars and keep your scarves on because Catherine M. Valenti's In the Future When All's Well is about to sink its teeth. Narrated by Gail Shallon. These days, pretty much anything will turn you into a vampire. We have these stupid safety and hygiene seminars at school. Like, before it was dare. And oh my god, if you even look crosswise at a bus that goes to that part of town, you will be hit with a fire hose blast full of PCP, and there's nothing you can even do about it. So just stay in your room and don't think about beer. Do you even know what PCP looks like? I have no idea. I remember they used to say PCP made you think you could fly. (laughs) That seems kind of funny now. Anyway, there's lists. Two of them, actually. On the first day of SH class, the teacher hands them out. They're always the same. I practically have them memorized. One says most common causes. The other says high-risk groups. So here, just in case you ditched that day so you could go down to that part of town and suck on the fire hose, you fucking slacker. Most common causes. Immoral conduct. Depression. Black cat crossing the path of pregnant or nursing mother. Improper burial, animal, most often black, jumping over grave, corpse, bird, most often black, flying over grave, corpse, 
butterfly alighting on tombstone, ingestion of meat from animal killed by a wolf, death before baptism, burying corpse at crossroads, failing to bury corpse at crossroads, direct infection, blood transfusions received 2011 to 2013. High-risk groups, HR. Persons born with extra nipple, vestigial tail, excess hair, teeth, breech. Persons whose mothers encountered black cats while pregnant. Persons whose mothers did not ingest sufficient salt while pregnant. Seventh children, either sex. Children conceived on Saturday. Children born out of wedlock. Children vaccinated for polio 1999-2002. Children diagnosed autistic, OCD. Promiscuous youngsters. Persons possessing unkempt eyebrows. Persons bearing unusual moles or birthmarks. Redheads with blue eyes. I swear to God, you cannot even walk down the street without getting turned. That list doesn't even get into your standard jump-out-of-the-shadows shtick. Like, half the graduating class have to get their diploma indoors, you know? Plus, I think they just put in that shit about promiscuous youngsters because it's like their duty as teachers to make sure no one ever has sex. Who says youngsters, anyway? The problem with SH class is that, just like the big scary PCP, we all know where to get it if we want it. So the whole thing is just, kill me now so I can go get a freaking milkshake. My dad says this is all because of the immigrants coming in from Romania, Ukraine, Bulgaria, I don't know. I read Dracula and whatever. Doesn't seem very realistic to me. Vampires are sort of something that just happens to you. Like finals. I know people used to think they were all lords of the night and stuff. And they are, I guess. But it's like, my friend Emmy got turned last week because a black dog walked around her house the wrong way. Sometimes things just get fucked up. And it's not because there was a revolution in Bulgaria. But I guess the point is, I'm going to graduate soon. And I'm just sort of waiting for it to happen to me. There's this whole summer before college, and it's like a million years long, and I have red hair and blue eyes, so, you know, eventually something big and black is just going to come sit on my chest till I die. I told Emmy, it's not your fault. It's not because you're a bad person. It's just random. It doesn't mean anything. It's like a raffle. So, my name is Scout. Yeah, my mom read To Kill a Mockingbird. Leave it to her to think fifth grade required reading is totally deep. She also has a heart thing where she's had to be on a low-sodium diet since she was my age, which means, well, she was pregnant with me. So, thanks, mom. With high-risk groups, birds don't even have to fly over your own grave. It can be like anyone's grave if you're nearby. It's like a shockwave. I heard about this one HR guy, like two towns over, who was a seventh son with a unibrow and red hair and was born backwards, and he just turned by himself. Just sitting there in English class and bang. That's what scares me the most. Like it's something that's inside you already. And you can't stop it or even know it's there. But there's a little clock and it's always counting down to English class. The other night, I was hanging out with Emmy, trying to be a supportive friend like you're supposed to be. In SH class, they say high-risk kids should cut off their friends if they get turned. 
Like it's one of those movies about how brutal high school is, and we're all going to shun Emmy on Monday if she's wearing a little more black than usual. As if I would ever. What's it like? I said. Because that's what they don't tell you. What it feels like. PCP is bad. It'll make you jump off buildings. Yeah, but before that, what's it like? Before you crave blood and stalk the night, what's it like? It's stupid. My hair is turning black. I have to go to this doctor every two weeks for tests. And I don't know. It's like, I want to sleep in the dirt. When I get tired, my whole head fills up with this idea of how nice it would be to dig up the yard and snuggle down and sleep in there. The way I used to think about bubble baths. Have you done it yet? Oh, blood? Yeah. Ethan let me right away. He's good like that. Emmy shoved her bangs back. She had a lot of makeup on. Naturally sun-kissed was a big color that year. Keeps the pallor down, but it doesn't make you all oompa loompa. What? What do you want to hear? That it's gross? Or that it's awesome? I don't know. Whatever it is. It's like eating dinner, Scout. When somebody goes to a little effort to make something nice for you, it's great. When they eat healthy and wash really good, but don't taste like soap. When they let you. But sometimes it just gets you through the night. She lit a cigarette and looked at me like, why shouldn't I now? Did you hear about Kimberly? She got turned the old-fashioned way by this gnarly weird guy from Zagreb. And she can fly. It's so fucking unfair. Emmy wasn't very different as a vampire. We had this same conversation after she lost her virginity, Ethan again, and she was all, it is what it is, then too, with an extra helping of, I am part of a sacred sisterhood now. Emmy has always been kind of crap as a friend, but I've known her since Barbies and kitty soccer, so whatever, right? I don't know. I suppose it was dumb. But things can get weird between girls who've known each other that long. Like this one time, when we were 13, we did that whole practice kissing on each other thing. We'd been hanging out in my room for hours and hours, and rooms get all whacked out when you lock yourselves in like that. We sat cross-legged on my lame pink bedspread and kissed because we were lonely, and we didn't know anything except that we wanted to be older and have boyfriends because our sisters had them, and her lips were really soft. I didn't even know you were supposed to use tongue. That's how 13 I was. Her too. We never told anyone about it because, well, you just don't. But I guess I'm talking about it now because I let Emmy feed off of me that night, even though I'm HR. And it was kind of like the same thing. I didn't see her much, though, after that. It was just awkward. I guess that sort of thing happens after senior year. People drift. Back in seventh grade, right after the first one started showing up, like every freaking book they assigned in school was a vampire book. That's when I read Dracula, Carmilla and the Bride of Corinth, too. The Vampire, The Land Beyond the Forest, Varney the freaking Vampire. Classics, you know. 
They said all the modern stuff was agitprop, whatever that means. It's weird, though, because back then there were maybe 20 or 30 vampires in the whole world, and people just wrote and wrote about them, even though there's, like, statistically no way that stoker guy ever met one. And now there's vampires all over. Google says there's almost as many as there are people. They have a widget. But nobody's written a vampire book in years. So I've been hanging out in cemeteries a lot lately. I know, right? I mean, before? I would never. But have you seen how much it costs to get up in black fingernail polish and fishnets? And now, for an HR like me, it's pretty much like slitting your wrists in the bathtub with a baby blue razor for sensitive skin. Everyone knows you're not serious, but there's a slim chance you'll fuck up and off yourself anyway. If you want to get turned, you don't have to go chasing it. Not when some bad steak will do you for about $12.50, and a guy down at Belfloor Street will do it for less than that. So, I suck. So, I'm one of those girls. Like we didn't know that already. Like you never did anything embarrassing. Anyway, it's kind of peaceful. Not peaceful, really. Just kind of flat. I don't do anything. I sit there on the hill and think about how like half my family is buried down there. Any second, a blackbird could fly out over one of them. I wonder if you can see it when it happens, the affinity wave. What color it is. That's what Miss Keneally calls it, an affinity wave. She leads an after-school group for HRs that my dad says I have to go to now. He picked Miss Keneally because she's a racist bitch, or as he would put it, has a strict policy against Eastern Europeans attending. I was all, duh, we're Jewish, and isn't Graham from, like, Latvia or wherever? And he was all, Jews aren't Slavic. It's the Slavs that are the problem. Why do you think they knew about all the HR vectors before we did? And I was like, what the hell do you know about HR vectors? Your eyebrows are fucking perfect. Anyway, group is deeply pointless. Mostly we talk about who we know that got turned that week and how it happened. And how scared we all are. Even though if you keep talking about how scared you are, eventually you stop really being scared which I thought was the point of having a group, but apparently not, because being scared is like what these people do for fun. All anyone wants to talk about is how it happened to their friend or their brother. It's like someone gets a prize for the most random way. Some girl goes, Oh my god, my cousin totally drank three bottles of vodka and passed out at the stop and rob and woke up a vampire. And even though that is highly retarded, and it probably doesn't work that way, at least it doesn't work that way yet, Everyone goes, ooh, like she just recited the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Oh yeah, we had to read that one too. It's not even about vampires, it's about zombies, which is totally not the same thing, but apparently it falls under supplementary materials or something. Anyway, Miss Keneally then lectures for a hundred years about how immoral conduct is the most pernicious of all the causation scenarios, because you can never know where that moral line lies. By the time she gets to the part about how abstinence is the only sensible choice, I want to stick her fake nails through her eyes. Once I said, I hear you can totally get it from drinking from a glass one of them drank from. And they all gasped like I was serious. God. Before, I wouldn't have spent three seconds after school with those people, but the sports program is basically over. 
This one time, Aiden from my geometry class started talking about staking them, like in the old movies. Everyone got real quiet. Thing is, it's not like those movies. A vampire's body doesn't go anywhere if you mess with it. It doesn't go poof. It just lies there. And it's a dead person. And you have to bury it. And, God, burying things by yourself is practically a crime these days. There's hazmat teams at every funeral. It's the law for, like, three years now. Plus, it's not that big a town. Everyone knows everyone. And you try stabbing the kid you used to play softball with in the heart. I couldn't do it. They're still the same kids. They still play softball. We're the ones who stopped. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes when I'm sitting up on the hill by the Greenbaum Mausoleum, I think about Emmy. I wonder if she's still going to state in the fall. Probably not, I guess. I dated this guy for a while during junior year. His name was Noah. He was okay, I guess. He was super tall, played center for basketball, one of the few sports we still played back then. Indoors, right? I remember when the soccer teams moved indoors. It was horrible. Your shoes squeak on the floor because it's shellacked within an inch of its life. The way it used to be, soccer was the only thing I really liked to do. Run around in the grass in the sun. There's something really satisfying about kicking the ball perfectly, so it just flies up. The feeling of nailing it just on the right part of your foot. I've played since I was like four. Every league. And then, finally, they just called it off. Too dangerous. Not enough girls anymore. You can't just go running around outside like that now. You could fall down, get cut, scrape your knee. So now, instead of running drills, I have to read The Land Beyond the Forest for the millionth time and stay inside. God, I'm turning into one of those snotty, brainy hipster chicks. Oh, right, Noah. See, the soccer girls date basketball boys. We're the second tier. Baseballers are somewhere below us. And then there's like archery and modern dance circling the drain. And then all the people who cry into their lockers because they can't hit a ball. Football and cheerleaders are up at the top still, even though it's not exactly 1957 and not exactly the Midwest where they still play football. But some things stick. I think maybe it's because all the TV shows still have regular high school. It's a network thing. No one wants to show vampires integrating, dating chess geeks, Whatever would be jam-packed with soap opera hilarity. 
TV is strictly pre. So we keep acting like what we did in sixth grade matters, even though no one actually plays football or cheers at all. It's like we all froze how we were three or four years ago, and we'll never get any older. Anyway, I remember Noah drank like two jumbo bottles of Diet Coke every day. He'd bring his bottle into class and park it next to his desk. When we kissed, he always tasted like Coke. Everyone thought we were sleeping together, but really we weren't. It's not that I didn't think I was ready or whatever. Sex just doesn't really seem like that big a deal anymore. I guess it should. My dad says it definitely qualifies as immoral conduct. I just don't think about it, though. Like, what does it matter if Alexis let the yearbook editor go down on her in the darkroom if she found out, like, not even a week later, that the Hep AVAC she got for the senior trip to Spain was tainted, and now she freaks out if the teacher drops chalk because she has to count the pieces of dust? It's just not that important. Plus, this couple Noah and I hung with sometimes, Dylan and Bethany, turned while they were doing it. Just not even any warning, straight from third base to teeth out in 0.5. We broke up a little after that. Just didn't see much point. I don't watch TV anymore either. But lately I've been seeing him around. He turned during midterms. I think he even dated Emmy for a while, which, fine, I get it. They had a lot in common. I just didn't really want to know. Anyway, it wasn't any big plan. One minute, I barely thought about him anymore, and the next, we're sitting on the swing set in Narragansett Park, way past midnight, kicking the gravel and talking about how he still drinks Diet Coke. It just tastes really funny now. It's like, before it was just Coke. But now all I can taste is the aspartame. And not really the aspartame, but like the chemicals that make up aspartame. I taste what aspartame is like on the inside. I still get the shakes, though. So I'm down to a can a day. Noah isn't exactly cute. The basketball guys usually aren't, not like the football guys. He's extra lanky and skinny, and the whole vampire thing pretty much comes free with black hair and pale skin. He used to have really nice green eyes. How did it happen to you? I hated saying it like that, but it was the only thing I could think of. How it happens to you. Like a car accident. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. If it's, you know, private. Noah was counting the bits of gravel. He didn't want me to know he was doing it, but he moved his lips when he counted. That's why OCD is on the high-risk list. Because vampires compulsively count everything. I think it's the other way, though. You don't turn because you're OCD. You're OCD because you turned. Yeah, no, it's not private. It's just not that interesting. Remember when the HR list first came out, and I was so freaked because I was conceived on a Saturday and I have that mole on my hip? I was so sure I'd get it before everyone else. But it didn't happen like I thought. Like when that third grader just flipped one day and the CDC guys figured out it was because her mom is a crazy cat lady and she doesn't even have a path to cross without a black cat there to cross it for her? Anna Cruz. I thought it would be like that. Like Anna. I couldn't stop thinking about how it would be. Just walking down the street and bang. But it wasn't. I woke up one night and this woman was looking in my window. She was older. Pretty, though. 
She looked... kind, I guess. How old was she? One of the oldest ones in California, it turned out. So, about six. Her name was Maria. She used to be an anesthesiologist down at the hospital. Were you guys together or something? No, Scout. You just kind of get to talking eventually. Afterward, there's not that much to do but wait. And she was nice. She stayed with me, held my hand. She didn't have to. Anyway, I opened the window, but I didn't let her in. I'm not an idiot. I just sat there, looking back at her. You know how they look after they're past the first couple of years? All wolfy and hard and stuff. And finally she said, Why wait? And I thought, Shit, she's right. It's gonna happen sooner or later. I might as well get on with it. If I do it now, at least I can stop thinking about it. So I climbed out. He laughed shortly, like a bark. I didn't invite her in. She invited me out. I guess that's sort of funny. Anyway, you know how it works. I don't want to get all porny on you. It was really gross at first. Blood just tastes like blood, you know? Like hot syrup. But then it sort of changes. And it was like I could hear her singing, even though she was totally silent the whole time. Anyway, it hurts when you wake up the next night. Like when your arm falls asleep, but all over. My mom was really mad. I picked at the peeling paint on the side of the swing's head. I think about it. Oh, do you want me to... God, Noah's always so fucking eager to please. He's like a puppy. It took me a long time to answer. I totally get him. Why wait? But finally, I just sighed. I don't think so. I have a bio test tomorrow. Okay. Noah lit a cigarette, just like Emmy. He looked like a total tool. Like he's the vampire Marlboro man or whatever. What does blood taste like now? I asked. I can't help it. I still want to know. I always want to know. Singing, he mumbled around the cigarette and puffed out the smoke without inhaling. The other week, my Uncle Jack came to visit. He lives in Chicago and works for some big advertising company. He did that one billboard with the American Apparel kids all wrapped up in biohazard tape. My mom cooked, which means no salt, and Uncle Jack just wasn't having that. He travels with his own can of Morton's and made sure my steak tasted like beef jerky. Kids in your condition have to be extra careful, he said. Yeah, I'm not pregnant, Uncle Jack. You really can't afford to take the risk, Scout. You have to think about your future. There's so much bleed these days. That should pretty much tell you everything you need to know about what a bag of smar my uncle is. He'll use a terrible pun to talk about something that'll probably kill me. He was talking about how that list of common causes is actually kind of out of date. Like how kids used to use textbooks that said, maybe someday a man will walk on the moon. About a year ago, some of the causes started having baby causes. Like it doesn't have to be meat killed by a wolf anymore, it can be any predator. So hunting game is right out, even for non-HRs. 
We've always kept kosher, so it's not really an issue for us, but plenty of other ones are. They've acted like sex was on the no-no list since the beginning, but I don't think it was. I think that was recent. If sex could turn you into a vampire way back in ancient Hungary, we'd all be sucking moonlight by now. Some people, who are assholes, call this bleed. But never in front of an HR. It's just flat-out rude. My Uncle Jack is an asshole. I mean, I said he was in advertising, right? My firm is sponsoring a clean camp up in Wisconsin. Totally safe environment, absolutely scrubbed. For HRs, it's the safest place to be. God, the only place to be if I were an HR. You should think about it. I don't really want to move to Wisconsin. We wouldn't feel right about that, Jack, said my mother quietly. We'd rather have her close. We take precautions. We take her in for shots. Uncle Jack made a fake sympathetic face and started babbling the way old people do when they want to sound like they care, but they don't really. My heart just breaks for you, Scout, honey. You especially. You must be so scared, poor thing. I feel like if we could just get a handle on the risk vectors, we could gain some ground with this thing. It's pretty obvious the European embargo isn't doing any good. Probably because it's not like it's the Romanian flu, Uncle Jack. You can't blockade air. I don't even think it really started there. Practically every culture has vampire legends. Mom quirked her eyebrow at me. Come on, Mom. There's like nothing left to do but read. I'm not stupid. Well, Scout, continued Uncle Jack in a skeevy, isn't it cute how you can talk like a grown-up voice. You don't see people detaching their heads and flying around with their spines hanging out or eating nail clippings with iron teeth, so I think it's safe to say the Slavic regions are the most likely source. And AIDS comes from Africa, right? Isn't it funny how nothing ever comes from us? Nothing's ever our fault? We're just victims? Uncle Jack put down his fork quietly and folded his hands in his lap. He looked up at me, scowling. His face was scary calm. I think that kind of backtalk qualifies as immoral conduct, young lady. My mother froze with her glass halfway up to her mouth. I just got up and left. Fuck that, and fuck you, you know? But I could hear him as I stomped off. He wanted me to hear him. That's fine. I wanted him to hear me stomping. Carol, I know it's hard, but you can't get so attached. These days, kids like her are a lost cause. HRs, well, they're pretty much vampires already. The problem is, they live forever and they can't have kids. That's it, right there. That's the problem. They don't play nice with the American dream. They won't do the monkey dance. They don't care about what kind of car they drive. They don't care about what's on TV. They know for damn sure they're not on TV, so why bother? Guys like Uncle Jack can't sell them anything. I mean, yeah, there's the blood thing too, but it's not like nobody was getting killed or disappearing before they came along. Anyway, Noah says they mostly feed off each other when they're new. Blood is blood. Cow, human, deer. They all think I don't get it, that I'm just a dumb kid who thinks vampires are cool, because they all grew up reading those stupid books where some girl goes swooning over a boy vampire because he's so deep and dreamy, and he lived through centuries waiting for her. Gag. I guess that's why that crap is banned now.
No one wants their daughters getting the idea that all this could ever be hot. But guess what? They don't have body fluids. They only have blood. You do the math. And then come back when you're done throwing up. No one dates vampires. Anyway, I'm not dumb. It's hard to be dumb when half your friends only come out at night. I get it. Pretty soon they'll outnumber us. And then, pretty soon after that, it'll be all of us. Noah and I went to the park most nights. Nobody gave us any shit there. No kids play in parks anymore anyway. It's just empty. And it was so hot that summer, I couldn't stand being inside. Even at night, I could hardly breathe. One time, Noah brought Emmy along. I wasn't freaked or anything. I knew they weren't dating anymore. Gossip knows no species, you know. I guess it must be pretty lonely to hang out with a human girl all the time and explain your business to her. They sat in the tire swing together and kind of draped their arms and legs all over each other. They didn't make out or anything. They just sat there, touching. Do you guys need some time alone? I asked. Okay, I was a little freaked. It's just something we do, Scout, sighed Emmy. Share ambient heat. It's cold. Are you kidding? It's like 90 degrees. Not for us, Emmy said patiently. It's not just that, you know, added Noah. Ever seen pictures of wolf pups? How they all pile together? Well, you know, some days a bunch of us just sleep that way. It's comforting. I plunked down on one of those plastic dragons that bounce back and forth on a big spring. I bounced it a couple of times. I didn't know what to say. So what are you guys going to do in the fall? They just looked at each other, kind of sheepish. Noah moved his leg over Emmy's. It was just about the least sexual thing I've ever seen. We were thinking we might go to Canada. Lots of us are going. There's jobs up there, on like fishing boats and stuff, in Hudson Bay. The nights are really long. It's safer. There's whole towns that are just ours. Communities. And, uh, well, you probably heard about Aiden. Aiden's the kid from group who thinks he's Van Helsing. Emmy sniffed a little and sucked on her cigarette. Well, you know, he was kind of seeing Bethany. What? Bethany turned like a year ago. Why would he even touch her? They shrugged identically. So they were messing around in the back of his truck and all of a sudden he just fucking killed her. Noah whispered like he didn't really believe it. She trusted him. I mean, God, he let her feed off him. That's like, I don't know how to explain it so you'll understand, Scout. That's serious shit with us. It's way more intimate than screwing. It's a pact, a promise. Emmy and I glanced at each other, but we didn't say anything. Some things you don't want to say. Noah's voice cracked. And he put a piece of his dad's fence through her heart. And they're not even going to arrest him, Scout. He's got a fine. Disposal of hazardous materials without supervision. It seems like a good time to clear out, said Emmy softly. Her eyes flashed a little in the dark, like a cat's. You could come with us, Noah said, trying to sound nonchalant. 
I bet you've never even seen snow. Well, you know what he meant by that. I have a scholarship. I'm going to be a teacher. Teach little kids to do math and stuff. Noah sighed. Scout, why? Because I have to do something. Whenever people have more than five seconds to talk about this, they always come around to the same thing. Why did it happen? Where did it start? You know that TV show you used to like? And somewhere around the third season, something so awesome and fucked up happened, and you just had to know the answer to the mystery? Who killed Sorority Girl? Or how that guy could come back from the dead? You stayed up all night online looking for clues and spoilers, and still you had to wait all summer to find out. And you were pretty sure the solution would be disappointing, but you wanted it so bad anyway. And oh man, everyone had a theory. It's like that. They all want to act like it's a matter of national security and we all have to know. But seriously, we're way past it mattering. It's just wanting the whole story. Wanting to flip to the end and know everything. You want to know what I think? There were always vampires. We know that now. There's still about ten of them who've been around since before Napoleon or whatever. They're in this facility in Nebraska, and sometimes somebody gets worked up about their civil rights, but not so much anymore. But something happened, and all of a sudden, there were HRs and lists of common causes and clean camps and Uncle Jack's billboards everywhere, and Bethany lying dead in the back of a truck, and, oh God, they always told us PCP makes you think you can fly, and I'll never play soccer again, and at the bottom of it all, there's always Emmy's mouth on me in the dark and the sound of her jaw moving. All of a sudden, one day to the next and everything changes. Like puberty. One day you're playing with an easy bake, and the next day you have breasts and everyone's looking at you differently and you're bleeding, but it's a secret you can't tell anyone. You didn't know it was coming. You didn't know there was another world on the other side of that bloody fucking mess between your legs just waiting to happen to you. You want to know what I think? I think I aced my biotest. I think in any sufficiently diverse population, mutation always occurs. And if the new adaptation is more viable, well, all those white butterflies in London, they start turning black, one by one by one. See, I'm not dumb. Maybe I used to be. Maybe before when it couldn't hurt you to be dumb. Because I know I used to be someone else. I remember her. I used to be someone pretty. Someone good with kids. Someone who knew how to kick a ball really well and that was just about it. But I adapted. That's what you do when you're a monkey and the tree branches are just a little further off this season than they were last. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. If it makes you feel better to think God hates us, or that some mutation of Porfirio went airborne, or that in the quantum sense, our own cultural memes were always just echoes of alternate matrices, and sometimes, just sometimes, there's some pretty deranged crossover, or that the Bulgarian Revolution flooded other countries with infected refugees. Knock yourself out. But there's no reason. Why did little Anna Cruz turn as fast as you could look twice at her, and I've been waiting all summer and hanging out in the dark with Emmy and Noah and I'm fine, when I have way more factors than she did? Doesn't matter. It's all random. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or a good person. It just means you're quick or you're slow. I went down to Narragansett Park after sunset. 
The sky was still a little light, all messy red, smeary clouds. I'd say it was the color of blood, but, you know, everything makes me think of blood these days. Anyway, it was light enough that I could see them before I even turned into the parking lot. Noah and Emmy, shadows on the swing set. I walked up, and Noah disentangled himself from her. I brought you a present, he said. He reached down into his backpack and pulled out a soccer ball. I smiled something huge. He dropped it between us and kicked it over. I slapped it back, lightly with the side of my foot toward Emmy. She grinned and shoved her bangs out of her face. It felt really nice to kick that stupid ball. My throat got all thick, just looking at it shine under the streetlight. Emmy knocked it hard up over my head, out onto the wet grass, and we all took off after it, laughing. We booted it back and forth, that awesome sound, that amazing sound of the ball smacking against a sneaker thumping between us like a heartbeat, and the grass all long and uncut under our feet, and the bleeding, bleeding sky, and I thought, this is it. This is my last night alive. I kicked the ball as hard as I could. It soared up into the air and Noah caught it, in his hands like a goalie. He looked at me, still holding up the ball like an idiot, and he was crying. They cry blood. It doesn't look nice. They look like monsters when they cry. So, I said, Hudson Bay. I really hope Noah, Emmy, and Scout made it to Hudson Bay. You know, because sometimes I just really wish I could escape to Canada. You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely know what you mean. So by now you've probably all figured out, as I did the first time I read In the Future When All's Well, that this is no ordinary vampire story. Of course. And at the same time, it just feels like an ordinary teenage story about figuring out what it's like to be in high school. You know, to have that awkward makeout session. I know I definitely have those memories. <laughs> um, but to also have these like soul-bearing conversations at midnight that you can only have when you're 16 and you're just trying to figure out how to be an adult and what it means to grow up. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And Kat Valenti is a very subtle writer. And what I've discovered is that the surface details of her stories often mask the sharp political and social themes to be found just underneath. And that, to me, is the best kind of horror. You know, and a lot of the commentary here, too, is strangely hopeful. I'm just thinking about other horror stories about vampires, like I Am Legend or 30 Days of Night, that treats vampirism as taking over humanity and it being this horrible, apocalyptic outcome. But... The story shows how normal life can still be after an apocalypse. Yeah, it, it almost treats this plague of vampirism as, you know, a step in evolution, which, you know, was kind of interesting and unexpected. Well, that's all the time we have. As always, thanks to Diana Foe for keeping it real. Yeah, or keeping it a bit unreal when it comes to these stories. So thank you again for having me, Marco. Of course. And if you like our show, please drop us a five-star review wherever you listen to this episode. And join us again next time when we'll follow a scarred woman in a haunted city as two boys in her care disappear amid the ruins. And remember, if something goes bump in the night, invite it in at your own risk. Pleasant nightmares. You're listening to Stories to Keep You Up at Night, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. 
Listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Stories to Keep You Up at Night, Episode 45. Features In the Future When All's Well by Catherine M. Valenti. It is produced by Marco Palmieri and Mary Asadolihi. Associate produced by Alexis Latshaw. And executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Marco Palmieri and Diana M. Foe. Performed by Gail Shallon. Audio produced by Tidef Studios. Additional editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Hashem Asadolihi. Featuring drummer Andrew Niven and mixed by Max Kuttner. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Stories to Keep You Up at Night by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.